Enterprise is ready when you are. For all the, are we there yet? And look at that. The anticipation and conversations in a vehicle that came from Enterprise. With the peace of mind of our complete clean pledge, curbside rentals, and low-touch transactions. Plus so many vehicles of all kinds. So you can relax and focus on the moment. All of them. Enterprise, connecting you to all the places you love. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. Today's show is called There's Always Someone Cooler Than You. Now, you may recognize that as the 2003 Ben Fold song, which it is. It's also the title of an article of mine on, on my blog. And uh, the, what we're going to do today on the show is basically take that article and uh, elaborate more on the points. So I think this might be a really a fun exercise today. Um, it was a fun exercise in the first place for me uh, because as the song the, the title implies, right, we're looking at comparing ourselves in relation to others, right? We're, you know, judging our own worth in relationship to other people, uh, which if you refer to my comparative table between objective optimism, pessimism, and subjective optimism, which you can find uh, on my blog, you'll see that that a in someone's focus, uh, an objective optimist focuses on what they have, while pessimists and a subjective optimist focus on what one doesn't have, and also on what others have, which is obviously a big theme in this song. Now, uh, this exercise first occurred to me. I have this song on my running playlist. I, I, I've mentioned I like to run, and I always listen to, to, to music when I'm out there. And um, a lot of the songs, uh, Ben Folds, I, I have a lot of his songs on there because he has a lot of upbeat, fun songs that uh, just really help carry you when you're looking for energy on the road. But uh, I also always enjoy a lot of his songs. He often tells a story in a song, and he always has often has a very good message in his songs. And I was really pleased about this one as well, and, and about many songs I've had this feeling, where I've enjoyed the song when I was younger, and I, I enjoyed the lyrics even, which makes a song even better when you can when the lyrics are actually good. And then... As I develop my adult philosophy, I find that it matches up a lot. And that's a really exciting thing to have happen because it makes some of your favorite songs become even even better. So this is what's happened in this case. And as I was hearing it one day on the road, it occurred to me that this is a, this could be a fun exercise in my conversation class. In Hanshin University, I teach English conversation. And I often bring an article or some podcast episode I like or some idea, any something that I that I think is a good idea to share with students and I find a, a good way to present it. Often I create some kind of Prezi presentation and uh, de deliver a mini lecture, uh, kind of presenting the basic idea and then we talk about it and I prepare exercises to talk about it and, you know, keep it focused on the language and all that. But it's, you know, students are often appreciative uh, of the perspective uh, I bring to the class and, and also just the idea of dealing with certain things that they don't really deal with uh, explicitly. And uh, and they really have fun sharing their ideas on them together. So this song, I thought, wow, this is a really maybe a fun way. Why don't we play a song and, and, and dissect the lyrics? It's a lot uh, better for them maybe than reading a, a dry article sometimes. Um, 
And I did it last year. So I, I, every second semester, I do the same course and and uh, every other semester. So uh, it's coming up again this semester, and I'll be doing it again this semester. So I'm really looking forward to it. The first time I did it last year, it went really well. Students seem to be uh, love love the theme, and they liked the song, and they just liked the idea of uh, listening to a song, etc. As I had hoped, Korea has a comparative culture unlike anything even most Westerners know. Uh, there's there's a lot of things a lot of things to in Korea are focused on rankings and comparing to others, and I think a lot of people look at their lives in terms of of how they're doing relative to other people. Um, it's it's something that I, I don't want to go into too much detail right now about that. Uh, it could be something fascinating to examine later, but it certainly is uh, very pertinent to to them, um, and it's as it is to everybody. But so much uh, so for them, um, the pressure, especially they feel in school. Uh, as far as constantly being ranked to, to other students since they since kindergarten, and uh, so they took to it really well. Now, as for you listening today, I mean, this might fall under the category of not so much teaching you something new, but more reminding you of something you already know. And and maybe this is a chance for you to reset your focus on on the proper things and not on other people. Because I know it's easy to say, you know, man, just don't don't worry about what other people do. Focus on your own thing. And and people will know this, but it's really hard to remember all the time and, and even for me and and even when I when I hear these lyrics again sometimes I get reminded on a particular day and I actually reset my own focus and and become better at you know minding my business and taking care of my my stuff and that's what I hope we'll do here today I kind of uh, putting it in terms of my uh, framework of of optimism that it might be you know helpful uh, give you something maybe new to think about as well so let's go jump right into it. I'm going to go ahead and read out the lyrics. I'll stop at certain points and let's go for it. All right. So these are my interpretation of the lyrics. Um, I can't say, well, he's obviously saying here. Well, maybe he's not. Maybe he thinks he's saying something else, but you judge for yourself. And obviously uh, the lyrics are out there for everybody. You uh, put your own take on it. But uh, hopefully my perspective can help you out a little bit. So it starts off. Smile like you've got nothing to prove. No matter what you might do, there's always someone out there cooler than you. Now, in, in my view, this idea of smile like you've got nothing to prove, this is important. Smile like you have nothing to prove. I think a lot of people do smile because they're trying to prove something. They're trying to prove that they're happy. Now, of course, there's a lot of other kinds of smiles, the malicious smile and whatnot. But I mean, as far as happy smiles that come out, I think there's kind of the fake smile and the genuine smile. And we all know the fake smile. It's fake. And you know it's fake. And But... There's a big contrast to some a smile that's just born of unselfconscious joy or goodwill. And that's the kind of smile I think we should all be trying to smile. Smile like you've got nothing to prove. Um, and then, of course, no matter what you might do, there's always someone out there cooler than you. Um, this is the title line, of course. And this obviously means that no matter how good you are at something or how much you have of something or whatever, somebody always has more of X or is better at X than you or whatever. So if you start to kind of think that as yourself of yourself as cooler than someone, cooler, I guess, in my view here is, a, is kind of a, a metaphor symbolizing any sphere. So you're, you're smarter, you're bigger, you're stronger, you're faster, you're richer, you're whatever than someone else, or you have more, whatever. If you think of it in those terms, you're always going to find someone else who has more. So it's not going to work. And we're going to see how that goes as we go along. He goes, I know it's hard to believe, but there are people you meet, they're into something that is too big to be, expressed through their clothes. 
some interests that are shallow and superficial and there is a look associated with them. And some people can try to just appropriate the look, that look, and then try to act like kind of they're into that thing. Almost as if they kind of wish, I wish I were one of those guys, right? So I'll try to dress like one of those guys. But they're not really wholly into it, right? Um, and then there are other people, though, who are into something that they're so absorbed in that they don't really have time to think of it. And they're not really... They, they don't really feel they need to show people that they're into it. Like, this is, like, I want to show, like, advertise, this is what I'm into. I'm this kind of person. It's not for other people. They're just wholly passionately into it. And this is what would be optimal for almost anybody. Uh, you want to be into something that you are into because you're into it, not because you want to look cool, not because it's a cool thing to be into. Um, now, I want to say at this point, uh, early, there are people who can their look betrays what they're into very clearly, but yet it's not superficial at all. They very they are into it deeply. They're very authentic. They're passionate about it. They're individualistic, really like independently into the thing that they're in, and that's cool. So obviously, people exist like that. But I'm saying that other the people that I do describe do exist, and we you know we want we don't want to be like those people. We don't want to be in something for show. We don't want to be in something because it seems like it's cool to be into it, right? You got to get into something is the idea. So, you know, don't get don't get offended if I kind of uh, describe some something that you know someone like that and then ascribe these motives to them and then you say, hey, well, no, but I'm I'm genuine. Yeah, that's it's possible. But I'm just saying there are those other kind of people. So let's go let's go on. He says, and they'll put up with all the poses you throw, and you won't even know. That they're not sizing you up. They know your mom messed you up. He doesn't say messed. Or maybe let you watch too much TV. So, of course, because these people, the ones who are into something that's too big to be expressed to their clothes, because they're into things, they're not absorbed in other people, right? They're more reality-centered and not others-centered. So, people always people always say, don't judge. And I think that these people are the, precisely the kind of people who don't judge, right? There's... In, in the way that it's usually taken to mean. Usually it means we kind of don't judge people unfavorably to kind of prop yourself up or to make yourself feel good in comparison. They have, these people don't think of themselves in relation to other people at all. They're very independent in that way. Um, and, you know, if you look at back at my episode, episode six of this, Be Kind, that's kind of what I mean by don't judge. I mean, if a person does have a little, you know, a little bit outwardly, kind of like the person we described in the previous uh, part who's trying to act like they're into something, you might put up with a bit of that pose because, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. It's like in the episode uh, episode six podcast, Be Kind, where I discuss what it, what my view of what it means to be kind. And that's kind of what it is. It's put up a th- with a few poses and look for something. I couldn't resist in the article, and I can't resist here on the show to uh, refer to Howard Rourke, the hero of the Fountainhead. It's one of my favorite novels. Um, in this, uh, in, in a quiet, dramatic scene, there's the arch villain of the novel. I won't name him, so if you read it, you, you, it's going to give away some stuff. But the arch villain of the novel, I would say Howard Rourke has every reason to hate this guy, almost fear this guy, because he's kind of out to destroy his career. In, in one of the few dialogues between them in the whole novel, uh, he says he says to him, it's kind of a quiet, dark scene, and he says, Mr. Rourke, we're, all, we're alone here. Why don't you tell me what you think of me in any words you wish? No one will hear us. Rourke replies, but I don't think of you. And this is obviously one of the favorite quotes of many fans of The Fountainhead, but it just says it right here. He's so 
passionately, innocently, wholly into architecture as his profession, right? And he's into his own life that he, he just finds even this guy who's out to destroy him is quite irrelevant to his life. He's just, I don't even think about you. So really, these people, like I say, this kind of person is not sizing you up, right? Ben Folds goes on. But they'll still look in your eyes to find the human inside. You know there's always someone in there to see beneath the veneer. So when such people do meet other people, so I said they're not sizing them up, but they are generally interested to to learn about what you're into. They're into something, and they're all constantly thinking, what is what are other people into? And they really want to look. They want to look beneath the veneer. So that's what also what it meant to earlier they'll put up with poses you throw even if a person looks a bit like a what you what might be a poser it it looks like it could be some superficial attempt to be into something they'll look past that they just want to see who are you what are you about so in this way i think this kind of person is the most benevolent and easy to deal with and they this is what it really means to as i said be kind and to really have goodwill you're genuinely interested in other people and such people, as we're describing here, could be characterized as individualists. And this is a good chance to say that to be an individualist doesn't necessarily mean you're a loner and you don't really want to be around other people. That's not what individualism means. Individualism means that you have your own ideas and your own passions and you are intellectually independent. But other people are a great value to you. Uh, people may improve our lives in many ways. So they can inspire us, teach us, we can trade with them. Uh, and among many other benefits of, of having people in your lives. And in this way, uh, people who are seeking valuable, productive relationships are really looking to see what, what a person's all about. And they're looking uh, what's beneath the veneer to see who you really are. And as, as to what is beneath the veneer, I just want to look, refer here to a quote because I pulled this out from my article because I think it's a really good way to characterize what makes a personality or what makes an individual or what Ben Folds is calling what's beneath the veneer. Uh, it's from a science writer, Winifred Gallagher, and she says, what you are, what you think, feel, and do, what you love is the sum of what you focus on. And for me, of course, uh, especially with the now looking looking at this uh, after uh, I've, you know, I'm developing this framework and, and I think it does, here I think I'm really trying to promote on the show and encourage people to choose deliberately their focus uh, and to focus on reality and the nature of the things they want to achieve and what it's required to achieve them and focus on what they do have to build upon and or in on the path towards achieving their goals and optimizing their life, uh, being objective, right? So it's all about choosing a focus. So the sum of what you focus on, that's who you are. And that's why it's even more important to focus. So I just think it's great. Um, and, and of course, so... You know, this kind of person, as we're describing here, these kind of independent person, uh, as they are, as they will politely put up with poses you throw, if the human inside is not found soon enough, they will move on. But they are generally interested. So I say be genuinely interested in other people and also expect that people are looking to see what you're about. And that's cool. So we'll continue on with Ben Folds. Not everybody made the list this year. Have a beer. So there are any number of most lists, like the most popular, the hottest A-list celebrity, uh, the richest Forbes whatever guys, right? The, the the top scorer of ever, the MVP, whatnot. These are all rankings, right? And rankings are necessarily comparative. And I'm saying here that to 
take hard stock in them means to be focused on ourselves in relation to others. So rankings are cool, and it's really good sometimes to see where you're at uh, compared to your peers uh, in, in particular instances. I love to compete. I love sports. I want to win. I'm not there to just be like, you know, do my best. I want to win. But at the end of the day, I really am about trying to do my best. And if it's not good enough, may the best man win. Is my, is my attitude, and I'm just going to try harder. But I do want to win. But look, it's, uh, it's, it, this means that you're kind of more other-centered and not reality-centered. And that is a very precarious position because, as he says, not everybody made the list this year. This year, it's temporary by nature, right? Obviously, next year, somebody else will be there, and then what? So I think people of genuine self-esteem, authentic self-esteem, which we will talk about in a coming show, they don't need rankings to affirm themselves. And so in this case, it says, have a beer. I add, I, I, I concur. Just relax, have a beer. Don't get caught up in all of these rankings and focus on your thing. So Ben Folds goes on. This is the chorus now. Make me feel tiny if it makes you feel tall, but there's always someone cooler than you. Yeah, you're the shit, but you won't be it for long. Oh, there's always someone cooler than you. Yeah, there's always someone cooler than you. So the first line of this chorus describes the attitude of envy. And envy here, I've got it, obviously it's a big, it's on my table. Um, in view of an attitude toward the other people, pessimists and subjective optimists both feel fear and envy towards other people, including a, a few other kind of negative ideas. And you can see a lot more about that if you go to my uh, show episode six, Be Kind. You'll see more. About this summer, get road trip ready with the brake experts at Midas. With up to $100 back on two-axle brake service when you use your Midas credit card. So you can make sure every stop on your road trip is one you want to make. Request your appointment today at Midas.com. About that. While as an objective optimist, meanwhile, has a feeling of benevolence and goodwill towards people. This is what an independent, intellectually independent person of self-esteem feels toward other people. They're not looking for like, what's what's his thing and, and how how do I compare against this other person? They just feel so content within themselves, it's irrelevant to them. So, but this is where what envy, the root of envy. So many people try to put others down in order to feel better about themselves. That's the simple nature of it. And this is an ultimate lie, sign of a lack of self-esteem. People who have a very low self-estimate or who feel small, um, they have a, a very vested interest in chopping other people down, right? They envy those who they perceive as bigger than them, and so they look for faults in other people or they invent faults and highlight those faults in other people. They feel pleased in the comfort of people with whom they can compare themselves favorably as kind of like a big fish in a little pond. We've heard that expression. And then even uglier for me, they feel really pleased to see anyone they perceive as tall experience failure or misery. And that's really the defining characteristic of uh, envy for me is that idea of wanting to see other people fail and feeling pleasure at other people's misery. And, and failure, especially people who are who they perceive in, is in a, already in a better position than them, right? Maybe they they kind of feel sympathetic to real suffering, but they really love to see kind of the big guys get chopped down. And I think, what is this attitude? And I think that if you have an authentic self esteem, you don't feel that, and it's certainly not a feeling of goodwill. So, kind of looking to what other people have and kind of wishing you have that, that's not necessarily envy. I know there's a common expression in Korea, they always kind of say, I envy you. And they just kind of mean, oh, that looks really good and I wish I had that. And that's a, that can be a motivating and positive force. But when it's, when it's into, and I don't like you for it, or and I'm a little angry about it, that is where it 
pushes into this uh, field of envy, and envy can be very destructive. So more than just being really revolting, having an envious attitude, it's a losing policy besides. It doesn't work. And here, I guess I'm going to give a little taste of what might come about in our self-esteem show. Um, This approach is precarious by nature, and it's necessarily short-lived. And I'm going to say it's precarious because it's out of your control. Authentic self-esteem is independent by its nature. It's a self-esteem. It's an estimate of oneself and by definition cannot be given or taken away by anyone else. But when you set your standard of worth against others, you are now dependent on them. And we just said uh, that self-esteem is independent by its nature. You're dependent on their successes or failures. So to the extent others are tall, you're tiny and vice versa. So even if you succeed in feeling tall by this method of chopping other people down, feeling tall because they're tiny, because you've made them tiny, this is only because you've managed to assemble around all these small people around you. But of course, this is just a bubble, right? You're This is a small pond. And when you step outside into reality, outside of this small pond into the real world, what are you going to do then? You're going to see, you're going to inevitably find someone against whom you can compare yourself unfavorably again. So at that point, your bubble will shrivel, your high will become a low. And I just say here that it's futile, right? There is always someone cooler. Tell us more, Ben. So it continues. Now that I've got the disease, in a way I'm relieved because I don't have to stress about it like you do. I might just get up and dance or buy some acid wash pants. When you don't care, then you've got nothing to lose. Okay, so that's a lot. We'll try to break it down. In my view, the disease he's referring to is an independent, genuine self-esteem. The state of not being emotionally dependent on what others think of you. But why does he refer to it as, as a disease and, and why is he only in a way relieved to have it? I, I should think and rather, and I do think, that it is the hallmark of psychological and emotional health. Unfortunately, a lot of confusion about the nature of self-esteem, which is why I'm going to do a show about it. And so many of the campaigns intended to promote self-esteem in our society's youth, particularly, uh, in my view, are misguided. Um, but again, we'll talk about that on a later show. Uh, but in short, in my view, the result is that many people have learned to tie their self-esteem to the approval or disapproval of others. For example, a lot of the campaign is about telling kids they've done well, whether they have or not, and never telling them never telling them that they've done poorly because that will destroy their self-esteem. So you can either give it and take it away from them, which is completely misunderstands the nature of self-esteem as it cannot be given or taken away. Um, but as discussed, standard is set, uh, is dependent on others, then one necessarily fears and resents other success because it's all about how did I do? Did I succeed or not? And, and other people are doing well and I'm not. And whom would one who lacks a genuine self-esteem fear and resent the most? Those who don't lack it. Those who don't have to stress about it like they do. Those people who have the disease. The disease here is like people who think independently, who discover their own interests, their own standards, etc., who don't seek to conform or join any groups or follow the trends and belong. They find themselves ostracized. From the perspective of the conformists, it is a disease and you're a pariah. And it can be very painful to not fit in, especially for younger people. But what I'm going to suggest to to them here and to you and to anybody is to ask yourself, what kind of people ostracize others for having their own interests, their own style, their own passions, their own independent ideas? And why seek their approval? The answer should be clear. And when you can see the answer clearly, you'll see that the disease is actually the cure. It's to kind of get woke from the group thing. Get up and dance. Be free from the sneers, free from the haters. When you don't care, then you've got nothing to lose. 
accept the wrong kind of people. Ben Folds goes on, and I won't hesitate because every moment life is slipping away, it's okay. It's never too late to shake off the stress of social disapproval to acquire the disease. Although the longer we hesitate, there is less time to enjoy the benefits of a life of independent values, passion, and joy. I'm 41, right? If I do it today, that's really good for the rest of my life. Even better if I do it earlier. If I hesitate, I might be 50 before I figure out what, who cares what other people, especially these kind of people, these kind of haters, right? Who cares what they think? So, but we do hesitate. Why? Because we fear losing friends. We fear social approval, etc., right? But what I'm learning and what I want to share with you and what I'm trying to remind myself all the time is that life is not waiting for the whole world to come around and see the world as I do, to approve of me and be nicer to me or to you. We must remember who we're talking about. We're talking about the haters. We're talking about people who chop other people down out of envy. These people are bullies. And what's a bully? Much has been known about the nature of the bully. We all know it. The bully is a weak and scared person. This is why the bully derides, mocks, denounces, intimidates. Misery loves company, right? Misery needs company. And the bully's company, right? The other ones that join the bully, while maybe they're not bullies themselves, they're in any case bully enablers or apologizers. And who needs them? And I've often said to my wife in this, like I'm, I'm trying to articulate it for myself and I get kind of excited about it and passionate about it, a little bit angry about it. Sometimes I'm almost like, and I'm in an epiphany kind of way too. I'm figuring it out. And I'm like, yes, like why? Who cares? Like nobody is paying attention to what we're doing. Nobody is paying attention to our lives. Nobody's getting up every day and going, what's Matthew up to today? I wonder what he's doing, what kind of stupid stuff he's trying to say today. And I want to make sure he's, you know, I'm going to make him, you know, try to intimidate him out of it. It's like, no, if you think people are worried about what you're doing every day, if people are thinking about you, they're not. They're not doing it. Um, you know, people might think it's a little weird what me and my wife are doing, the way we do something. Um, but I think for the most part, most of the people that we deal with, while they might think we're a little bit like that's a, not a kind of a normal idea, I think they kind of respect that independence ultimately. And I think, and certainly the right kind of people do. And the other ones, well, like I said, who needs them? So if you can build and, and kind of Invite and assemble these the good kind of people, the people who do respect your independence and your differences, and the, the you know the fact that you're trying to pursue your own truth and your own passion. Then that's the people you want to keep around you. The others lose them. Whoa, knocking this mic around. So if we can ignore all the discomfort or rid ourselves of the discomfort, not ignore the discomfort, but actually rid ourselves of it through conviction, which is the point of this whole song. I can listen to the song on its own and create something great or at least build a good life. It will actually be that which is the final verdict anyway. And that's what I mean when I say to my wife, it doesn't matter when we're gone, nobody will care, right? They'll just say, wow, they lived this per- these people lived a great life. And you should be enjoying that you're doing that today. But of course, to build a good life or create anything, you must be reality-oriented. You must exercise your independent judgment, following the evidence, even if it leads you away from the in-crowd. Ain't nobody got time for caring about other people's opinions, especially people who lack their own independent judgment in the first place. Who cares about what they say? So who cares about what somebody might say about me today? Who cares? That's the point. The less you hesitate to understand this and to believe it and to act on it, the more quickly you'll be free to live the clean, shining life of intellectual independence and happiness. So walk straight for it and don't let that kind of life slip away. 
It's more than okay. He says, it's okay. I'm saying it's more than okay. It's necessary. So he comes back into the chorus. Uh, again, make me feel tiny if it makes you feel tall, but there's always someone cooler than you. Yeah, you're the shit, but you won't be it for long, but there's always someone cooler than you. And then he repeats it a, a few times. And then he says, life is wonderful. Life is beautiful. We're all children of one big universe, so you don't have to be a chump. Now, I can never tell exactly who Ben's speaking to at this point uh, when he says, you don't have to be a chump. Is he speaking to the bully or the bullied? But I've decided that it's both. And when I before I wrote in this article on this point, I looked up chump in the dictionary for clarity because I, while I'm familiar with the word, I've used the word, I've heard the word, um, I didn't really know what it meant. So I found a formal and an informal meaning. Informally, it refers to a stupid person or adult. Literally, it means the thick, blunt end of anything. So taking those two definitions, we can see uh, for the case of the bullied, right, from the start of the song, Ben's advising people not to compare themselves to others, nor let others' opinions of them have power over their lives. You need not be a chump, the blunt end of any joke or any attack. You just walk away. Now as to the bully, the bully also need not be a chump. In this sense, a stupid or ignorant person. Don't be an idiot. Don't be... Don't be a bully. You don't have to be a chump. Neither of them need be a chump. Every individual, related to what it means to be optimistic and to be objective, every individual has a mind competent to deal with reality. Every individual can reach his own independent judgment about what he likes, what he cares about, who he, what he wears, who he hangs out with, what values he wants to choose. As Ben says, life is wonderful. Life is beautiful. It's exciting. It's glorious, in my view. It's there for you to take it if you'll just drop the fear and pick up your independent mind. And this independent intellectual independence, this, this reasoning mind, this rational faculty, this is this capacity that we all share. It's what all humans have in common. And in my view, it's what truly makes us brothers. Not groupthink or all thinking the same way, but this capacity that we have. So to those people who are constantly comparing them, themselves to others and feeling high or low accordingly, and who fear other people's disapproval, I say, grab your mind, shake free of the moral self-doubt. Self-doubt, you'll notice, is on the side of pessimism and subjective optimism, incidentally. To those who fear using their own minds and so work to bring down those who do, shake loose of your own in-crowd. Join the ranks of the happy. You don't have to be a chump, says Ben and says I. And Ben finishes the song uh, repeating some lyrics from earlier. He says, you, and you know that I won't hesitate because every moment life is slipping away, it's okay. And then he repeats the chorus, make me feel tiny. And we'll hear it again here because it's worth it. Make me feel tiny if it makes you feel tall, but there's always someone cooler than you. Yeah, you're the shit, but you won't be it for long. But there's always someone cooler than you. And then he repeats it a few times um, and ends the song. So I'm going to wrap this up by kind of summarizing the whole point of the song and, and some of the themes within it uh, very briefly. So, envy paralyzes productive action, making it impossible for you to improve yourself. And in my view, it's the root emotional cause of societal strife and conflict because, uh, in my view, authentic self-esteem and healthy individualism are the foundations for a benevolent society. It, like We're going to talk about this in the show uh, dealing with self-esteem, but I'm going to add say early here that if your self-esteem is built upon a genuine foundation of efficacy at some productive endeavor, if it's set in real achievement, you'll feel no threat at another's achievement. And you won't also search other people for faults like where you can go, oh, at least I'm not as bad as that, which is what people are trying to do. People are constantly trying to estimate themselves in relation to other people. So you don't look up and you don't look down. 
Or when you do look up, it's with admiration at a greater capacity perhaps, but still as a moral equal. It is with respect and goodwill, and you will cheer the person. The person of authentic self-esteem wishes well for others, rooting for their success, understanding that it is no threat to their own. By contrast, and what I think is the message of this song, by placing your standard of self-worth within others, you give them immense power over you. And you will necessarily fear and resent others. You'll fear their disapproval, and you'll resent their success. But either way, whichever direction it goes, you are not in control of your own happiness. And incidentally, the result is not peace and brotherhood uh, among people. An intellectually independent person whose standard of self-esteem is objectively set according to reality and therefore has has developed a genuine, authentic self-esteem, they know nothing of this nightmare, up-and-down emotional existence. So I'm going to say to you, why not heed the message of this song, don't compare yourself to others, and become one of those kind of people. Don't waste your life trying to be cooler, just be cool. And that's all I have to say on this topic for now. Uh, there's obviously lots more to to be wrung out of this song, um, and there's and certainly on this topic. Uh, but and of course, if you just read the song on your, on your own, listen to the song on your own, hopefully you'll get a lot out of it. Um, it's of course it's a fun, fun great song too. And uh, thank you, Ben Folds, for this song and for all your other music. I always uh, I've been enjoying it for years, and I continue to enjoy it. My wife and I as well. And to you all listening, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Uh, and if you have questions or comments about this topic in this show, or any other show for that matter, you can send them to matthew.asknow at gmail.com. That's matthew.asknow at gmail.com. Of course, you can go right to the website, matthewbolton.blog, and you can find everything there, including that contact information. So please subscribe to the podcast so you can keep up to date on the latest episodes. Please like it. That'll be very helpful, and I'll appreciate it. I'll also appreciate if you share this with anybody. If anybody who you think might get some value out of it, you can share a specific show or just share the whole the, the podcast to them. Um, I'll really appreciate that. I'm really interested in connecting with various people. So uh, thanks very much for all that, guys. I'm going to leave you with one little word, but it's not going to be my word. I'm going to give the last word to my wife, actually. Uh, I discussed this with her uh, last year when I was preparing the article and I was preparing the lesson plan. And she she agreed that especially for Korean students it was particularly relevant to them. But then and then she said, "Hey, and tell them." And I'm going to repeat and tell you here. She said, "You want something? Go straight ahead and go for it. Don't look around at everyone else." What better advice do you want than that, guys? I'll see you next time. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh, refuel, and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing. Life is good. It's up to you to choose the bright side. I'm a veterinarian, sure, but I'm way more than that. I am also a tango dancer, a struggling but determined pie maker, and a mom. With IndieVets, I get to choose when and where I work. I create my own schedule and choose shifts at nearby animal hospitals that are right for me. Having that flexibility is exactly what I need to have plenty of time for all those other things that I am. Because I'm more than just a vet. Visit IndieVets.com to learn more and apply.